Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. So Indiana's gender-affirming care for minors band back in action, uh, which basically means no puberty blockers, no hormone therapy, no surgery for kids under 18. This is a law that was signed, I believe, last year by Holcomb and the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals ruled Tuesday to lift the injunction against this gender-affirming care ban which again was initially placed last summer which i by the way i'm surprised that holcomb even signed this into law being if you remember he vetoed the law about banning boys biological boys playing in girls sports right which ultimately got passed because his veto was overridden but so uh, that's i was kind of wondering about this one too isn't it bizarre that you look at florida's governor and you look at indiana's governor <laughs> They're the same political party, sure. in theory, but you're right. We were all kind of pins and needles wondering if Eric Holcomb was going to go along with this. And really, all this means is that you cannot make a decision to change your body. God's greatest gift to you, change your body until you're a legal adult. Once you turn 18, if you want to start chopping stuff off, if you want to start putting stuff into your body, you're an adult knock yourself out but until then you are considered a minor you are considered a child and in the state of indiana minors children are not allowed to have any type of procedure that would hamper your growth that would hamper your body the attorney general todd rakita may have heard him in the news earlier put out a statement quote our common sense state law banning dangerous and irreversible gender transition procedures for minors is now enforceable following the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals' newest order. We are proud to win this fight against the radicals who continue pushing this horrific practice on our children for ideological and financial reasons. That's the Attorney General for Indiana. Now, By the way, nobody's saying you can't if you're a parent and you want to call your little girl a little boy or vice versa or your kid comes to you and says i want to be known as a she now there's no law against that there there are laws on the books that, that say that teachers have to tell parents if a student wants to change their pronouns but there's no law against leaning into it you just can't give them hormones and puberty blockers right whatever you want to do in your house That's fine. Now, we could sit here and lecture and have a debate on whether it's healthy for parents to tell a six-year-old, you know what, you're right, you are in the wrong body. That's a separate debate here. All this law does is say you cannot do anything to your body until you become a legal adult, and that's 18 years of age. You can't. You're not allowed to get inebriated. You're not allowed to imbibe alcohol until you're 21. I would think giving a 13-year-old puberty puberty blockers or hormone therapy is just like Rakita said, common sense.
Don't do don't you that's that shouldn't be allowed. But there are some parents, and I do think this is the case. I don't think Rakita's just making this up. I think there are some parents that want to look progressive. They really want to look like they're super progressive parents. And little Johnny or little Susie came to me the other day and said their first grade class was laughing at them. And now we support their decision to change their sex. We support that decision. I think that's a little bit of this story. I don't know if it's a lot, well, I mean, but gen- I think it's a little I, bit of the story. I would just say gender dysphoria is a real thing, and it's not an easy thing for families, but there's certainly an element of 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 gender dysphoria in the state. I don't know how prevalent actual surgeries are on kids. You do know that there's been many puberty blockers prescribed and hormone therapy, of course, and those things. But yeah, I mean, that's a rough thing, and I, if I was a parent, I wouldn't lean into it. No, we'd get help. We'd get care. We'd get therapy. Um, like, you know, counseling. Um, I wouldn't lean into it, but some parents do lean into it. When I was eight years old, I wanted to be a transformer. I'm glad oh, my did parents too. didn't talk me into having a surgery that turned me into Optimus Prime. Oh, that would have been cool. Although it might have been kind of yeah. cool. I don't know. Perhaps that's a poor example. The ACLU of Indiana, they said the appeals court ruling is, quote, beyond disappointing and heartbreaking. They go on to say, as we and our clients consider our next steps, we want all the transgender youth of Indiana to know this fight is far from over, and we will continue to challenge this law until it's permanently defeated in Indiana, and Indiana has made a safer place to raise every family. If you want to be transgender, go ahead. If you want to change your name, if you want people to call you something else, okay, But number one, parents have to be aware. Number two, teachers and other authorities can't keep it from parents. And number three, if you want to change your body, your physical body, that's a decision that an adult has to make. 18 years of age. I mean, how long, how many clips do you have to see? How how long is the list of people that are of age now that went through a transition in their teens that are very unhappy and regret the decision. Right. When you're younger, you don't know what's best for yourself sometime. When you're a teenager, when you're even younger than that, you don't think about the long-term effects. You think about what's happening in the moment. And the problem is, once you have one of these procedures, whether it's a surgery, whether you start taking puberty blockers, man, it's hard really hard to recover from that. Uh, some some of it, there's no going back. Right. 100%. We had some big news earlier, Nige. The turtle, Mitch McConnell. Cocaine Mitch! He's announced he's stepping down wow. as the Senate Republican leader this November. One of life's most underappreciated talents <laughs> is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job my colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. 
He's electric. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> he, he, he's electric and he's old. He's 82 years old. He's he was born in 1942 for God's sake. So he's a multimillionaire. He's a career politician and the really just the anti never Trump. I mean, really kind of the last wall against Trump's agenda. Right. Um in terms of MAGA. He is not the guy. Uh, he is as swampy as the swamp gets. So, for those of you keeping score at home, McCarthy, gone. McDaniel, gone. McConnell, gone. To me, it looks like we all pulled this off. We retired the McFailures. Looks like we made it. And by the way, not to mention the other losers. Kinzinger's gone. Romney's out of there. Liz Cheney. Go back a year or two, from, uh, a few years with Paul Ryan. I like it. So now the question becomes, who's next? Who's on the on-deck circle? Who's going to get the call to come up and be the Senate Republican leader? Now, we don't know if that's going to be the minority or the majority. Uh, big election coming up. But some names that I've thrown out here. Now, you know me. I'm a sports betting guy. This is my big betting board. Imagine you've walked into your favorite casino in Vegas, whether it's Circa, whether it's you know the MGM Grand, and you see the big board of odds and bets. These are my favorites right now to replace Mitch McConnell. Tell me what you think. Okay. If he wants it, I think Ted Cruz is the clubhouse favorite, followed by Mike Lee, Rand Paul, and just to get a lady in the mix, lady. Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. That's my field right now. Okay. My favorite to win the whole thing, if you will, using March Madness terminology, is Ted Cruz. The question is, does he even want well, it? Well, I, I, I would go out on a limb here. I don't think it's going out on a limb, actually. It's saying uh, Thune. What's his name? Thune from uh, South Dakota. He's the number two behind Mitch. Uh, there's also Cornyn out of Texas, who those guys... Uh, both have endorsed Donald Trump, but eh, they're kind of McConnellish. See, that's the thing. If Donald Trump wins, you want somebody that can work with Donald Trump to move his agenda. Yeah, you don't want to have what happened last time, where you've got a bunch of dudes trying to block what you want as the commander in chief. Yeah. So that's why I'm going with Cruz, Lee. I'd love to see Rand Paul, and then Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. So that's my short field. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think at Hammer and Nigel. So Wendy's, I got an update for you. The story we had yesterday. Wendy says it will not have Uber-like surge pricing after all. They're clarifying, has no plans to raise menu prices when the demand is highest after its CEO revealed that it would test, quote, dynamic pricing as early as next year. See, there's a dif difference, I think. Dynamic pricing and surge pricing, two different things. Uh, but this got everybody's panties in a wad. Everybody started talking about this yesterday. Right. And, and this was a real story. I heard some people say that this whole thing was maybe a publicity stunt. They're getting free media talking about it all over the place, but this was pretty negative. I, hell, even Elizabeth Warren was tweeting at Wendy's. Pocahontas, <laughs> quote, is pl they're planning to try out surge pricing. That means you could pay more for lunch, even if the cost of Wendy's stays exactly the same. It's price gouging, plain and simple, and American families have had enough. 
So I, I think this was some bad publicity for Wendy's, and they decided to walk back. I love that Elizabeth Warren all of a sudden <laughs> now is concerned about things costing too much. Right. All of a sudden, the Democrats now have drawn a line in the sand, or in Elizabeth Warren's case, sent up a smoke signal saying that, whoa, 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 hold on here. This is costing too much. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go vote on this $60 billion that we're going to give to Ukraine. <laughs> When, by the way, when would you say? I, I don't have the figures in front of me. When are the when would when is the demand for a Wendy's hamburger at its highest? Would you say? I think two times. Uh, lunch rush. So I would say between eleven and one, and then I would say afternoon, probably five to seven. Those about, two windows. What about like two o'clock on a late Friday, early Saturday morning? If they're open. Is Wendy's open that late? Yeah. See, the I, Wendy's I by my house them, closes down. I think some of them tout 24 hours. If I'm White Castle, night. that would be my prime. If I'm Taco yeah. Bell, I think that would be my prime. I don't think Wendy's is a drunken destination okay. like some of the others. Um, so, we had a story early today. I jump on the Kendall and Casey show every day around 1048-ish. Okay. Every day. Yep. And I was telling Rob and Casey about something that happened to me and my youngest son at a gas station yesterday. So this was probably around 8 o'clock in the evening. I had picked him up from the skateboard park. Last night? Yes. Okay. Left here, went home, picked him up. And when I pick him up from the skateboard park, sometimes he'll want to stop by the gas station, grab a snack, grab a drink or something. Sure. Fine. So we stopped by the Speedway gas station. And there were two clerks inside. Now, they were working. They were checking everybody out. They were doing a good job. But they were also having a conversation with themselves. And I heard the tail end of a conversation, and I'm not quite sure how they got there. I heard one (laughs) clerk say to another clerk, quote, I might not have learned to swim, but I've never bleeped on a sink. Bleeped? Well, crapped. (laughs) But they didn't say crap. Right. Something that starts with an S. I might not have learned to swim, but I've never <laughs> bleep on a sink. Yeah. How did they arrive at that conclusion? How was that the end of what were they talking about to lead up to right. that? How do those how does one have what what does one have to do with the other? How does one make sense of that? Like what could you well, say I've beforehand a, that would warrant that ending making sense? I, I've got a theory. because uh, I heard you talking about this this morning on my way in. And I think what happened was some degenerate walked in there to that Speedway gas station and pooped on the sink. Okay. And so I'm thinking these two gals, was it two ladies? Yes. You know, they had to clean it up and they were talking about people, you know, manners and things like that, how to properly behave in public, possibly, how to behave in private. Look, I never learned to swim, but at least I know not to poop on the sink. That makes sense. Does that make sense? Use what I'm. I think it does. Making sense. Allison's nodding her head too. I think somebody uh, pooped on their sink, unfortunately, and they had to clean it up. Jeez, 
Bless their hearts, man, because they're actually working. I know. You know, a lot of bums are sitting around at home choosing not to. They chose to work, and they're at the Speedway. You know, they're scanning speedy cards. They're checking people in and out, but they're having this conversation. And then Jacob and I get back to our car, and we start (laughs) cracking up, like trying to figure out how that would make sense. But your story adds up here. I think so. I think that's what happened. That's too bad they had to deal with that. Somebody sent me a message early today and said they thought it was Kamala Harris. Well, I've never learned to uh, swim, but I've also never been to Europe. (laughs) So thank you for that. Um, Man, Uh this is kind of a, a bummer if you grew up with WIBC. The weather phone is gone. The phone number 222 2222. It's gone. That must have just happened because it was up until recently. I mean, Allison was the one having to update that thing every day. Right. Allison, jump on here. When was the last time you were tasked with updating the weather phone? So all all of us producers have like blocks and windows we're supposed to do it. So, <laughs> so I it, always did it in the evening. So it's so it's updated multiple times per day and it's correct. been around, it's been a staple forever here at WIBC. The, the weather phone. Right. It's gone away, and people are angry. These are some of the messages that have come through to our front desk and to our uh, executive producer, Matt Hiblin, our boss, David Wood. Quote, uh, this is from uh, the front desk. A female caller said that the weather information is not being kept current. She depends on this info Aww. since she doesn't have a computer or a phone that will give her this info. Well, that's, I'm sorry, but you can listen to WIBC, and we do the weather all the time, right? Matt bears traffic, we do the weather, it's at the top and bottom of every hour. You're never not going to have the weather. This one's my favorite. This came to (laughs) our executive producer, Matt. I dialed the weather phone and received a message that it had been disconnected and is no longer in service. This has to be a mistake. The weather phone is a staple of Indiana. As long as I've been able to dial a phone, the weather phone has existed in one way or the other. I hope you fire the person who didn't pay the bill or, worst case, decided this was no longer a service that was needed. Bring back the weather phone immediately. They're calling for people to be fired over yes. the, the disappearance of the weather phone. Look, these are longtime hardcore WIBC uh, fans, and they want their weather phone. You also left out the most important sentence of that. I'm lost without it. <laughs> I'm lost without That's right. It was like a PS older, down here. Older people don't have computers and don't have iPads and things, but you're right. We cover the weather extensively here on this, this station, multiple but times per hour. This last one was an email, so mm-hmm. I know they're somewhat okay. computer savvy enough to send an angry email about the weather phone. <laughs> now, that's great. if we could bring back something, can I just get nostalgic for something? That top of the hour, do-do-do-do-do-do! Damn, I missed that. That was radio porn back in the day, man. When you hear that dynamic top yeah. of the hour, you knew something was about to go down. They kind of play it during Matt's traffic. Yeah. Like a dumbed-down version of it. Right. But it's like a softer version. Yeah. It sounds like you know something you would sing, oh, my God, Matt Bear's here. <laughs> like It's just not the same as the big, powerful. I the new one. I kind of missed that. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. Yeah, this story from Perry Meridian High School is a bunch of crap. Allegedly, a 16-year-old student 
beat up a 75-year-old substitute teacher. And beat up is probably uh, a nice way of putting it. So this 75-year-old sub was teaching a business class. And according to him, and we'll play you the sound here in just a moment, because he spoke to our news partners at Wish TV. One of the students just kind of snapped, started getting mouthy, picked up his computer, they're called Chromebooks, and started beating the dude with it. Mm. The dude fell down, and next thing you know, he's like blacking his eyes out. Like an ambulance had to come and get this guy. And here's the problem. This student was not arrested. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem because that's that's an assault. According to a police report, the incident was reported between a 16-year-old student and the 75-year-old substitute teacher on the afternoon of February 1st. We're just now hearing about this because the guy's upset. The guy's name is Rob Gooding. He's upset that it sounds like this kid hasn't had any charges filed against him. So take a listen to this. This is the teacher speaking to Wish TV. I saw him come up and he says, I've had it. And he came down and I rocked the Chromebook. And it shut me down like this. And then all of a sudden... He covered o- hovered over me and with his left hand whammed me. This man child, he was 6'2, 280 pounds. 6'2, wow. 280 pounds, just wailing on a 75 year old man who's retired, but you know, he substitute teaches just to make a little extra scratch on the side, a little living money. And it sounds like nothing is going to happen to the student we have been instructed by the higher ups which is the district not to handcuff or arrest the kid and i said what he said yes that came from the higher ups if i was out there on meridian and he did that to me where would he be he has to be accountable for his actions and that's what i feel Oh, no question. It's outrageous. I, I, I mean, I don't need... Look, he's a minor. Um, I don't necessarily need to know his name or see his mugshot, but he needs to be held accountable for what he did. Absolutely. I, I mean, who? good Lord, I'm looking at this guy, his injuries. Oh, man, that was, that was awful. Uh, so, so what does the school say? They put out a statement, and it's pretty long, but basically, I'm going to read you a part of it here. Uh, they're saying that the investigation is going to run its course. Quote, a police report was forwarded to the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. Prosecutors will then make a criminal charge decision. Due to confidentiality reasons, Perry Township Schools cannot comment on disciplinary action that it takes against students. We can say, however, the district has a zero tolerance for violence. Sounds, sounds like they have a percentage of tolerance. Right. <laughs> this kid's still out walking around. Before the ambulance took the teacher away from the school, he told the authorities, I would like to press charges. But as of right now, unless something changes, nothing has happened to the student. So he has, in essence, gotten away with beating the hell out of a 75-year-old man. So I feel like we're going to need a little bit more from Perry Schools and their, quote, zero tolerance for violence 
campaign. A spokesman for the Marion County Prosecutor's Office says the case remains under investigation. Oh, okay. And I have every confidence in the world they'll get right on top of this case. And do a good job. Because, you know, Marion County Prosecutor's Office has such a track record of success. That's just disgusting, man. Um, More legal stuff here. The mayor of Athens... This is the area where the student at the University of Georgia went for a jog and was ultimately murdered, brutally murdered by an illegal immigrant. The mayor of Athens, Kelly Gertz, says that the death of Lakin Riley, the student, is not connected to illegal immigration, huh? but instead pointed the finger at Donald Trump because he's been mean to illegals in the past. This is unbelievable. Uh, Riley. I'm sorry. Trump's to blame for the horrible, brutal death of Lake and Riley. Riley was killed by an illegal immigrant. But this moron, this mayor of Athens, says that Donald Trump being mean to illegals is really why it happened. So I want to play you some audio here. I want you to listen to this. I don't know how often I've seen this. He was having a press conference, like the mayor would do after a tragedy. But the townspeople started booing him and heckling him when he tried to blame Donald Trump. Well, 2019 was not that long ago. You might remember the dynamic we were living in, in the late teens in this country, where you had the president of the United States speaking in the most vile terms about people who were foreign born. And you had that notion metastasizing in places like Charlottesville. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. Really bending himself into a pretzel to say this was not the fault of Joe Biden. This was not the fault of what's happening at the border. It was Donald Trump's fault. I mean, you want to talk about injecting politics into a story. You know, people have been accusing Republicans of pouncing on this story to highlight illegal immigration or, you know, I mean, saying Donald Trump because of Donald Trump's words against immigrants, it metastasized and made that. It's not often I'm speechless, but this mayor is some woke piece of garbage. Athens is a, of course, it's a, it's a place where uh, it's a sanctuary city or town. It's a liberal it's, college it's, town. It's, it's it's really just to say that Donald Trump had anything to do with this. Nobody ever, nobody ever points out Joe Biden's policies are the reason so many illegal immigrants. Have come across this country and have taken a lot of lives. There is a, a student, in, the student in Georgia. We have uh, the shooting of three D.C. police officers by uh, illegal immigrant. Um, the, the assaults of minors in Virginia and uh, uh, Louisiana. A two-year-old boy murdered in Maryland. I mean, that's just to name a few. Democrat policies led to this woman's death. Because in addition to the border being wide open, this guy was taken into custody in New York. He was arrested in New York, but because it's the justice system in New York, was let right back out. And that's when he went to Georgia and brutally murdered this college student. So here's a little bit more from that press conference, because again, I don't know if I've seen this where there's a press conference after a major event, a tragedy, 
And people start getting rowdy and booing. Good. And they were calling for the mayor to resign. And so that term means different things to different people, depending on the context of the discussion. Many of the elements, many of the elements, we are here to listen. We are here to listen. We have time for questions. Many of the aspects that are ascribed to sanctuary cities. We know what sanctuary are things that are disallowed by Georgia law. Sanctuary policy, which is what we do. And we contribute a document every year to the Georgia Department of Audits indicating that we do not correspond to these definitions under state law. Yes, you do. And no policies have been adopted by the mayor and commission that have created sanctuary city status in Athens. You need to resign. One protocol that sometimes arises. One protocol. It's unbelievable. One protocol that sometimes arises. Oh, wow, that makes me feel. That does the heart good to hear citizens finally standing up to their woke mayors and woke city officials that with their policies, along with federal policies, have allowed um, things like this to happen. Wow. That was powerful. Please welcome (laughs) Rob Zombie. And now, time to play. Hey, this is Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie or... The Duke of Spendingburg, Todd Young. Rob Kendall? I like to talk about Brownsburg. Rob Zombie or Rob Kendall on a Henry Nigel show. Jeremy was caller at number nine. How are you, my friend? All pretty good, guys. How's it going? Good, good. So, <laughs> here's the deal, okay? Here's the dealio. We're going yeah. to give you a fact about someone. It will either be a fact about Rob Zombie or a fact about our very own Rob Kendall. You get two out of three correct. We're going to send you to this concert on Saturday, August 31st at Ruoff, okay? Okay. Rob Kendall or Rob Zombie directed the horror film House of a Thousand Corpses back in 2000. Yeah, that's Rob Zombie. That is Rob Zombie. All right. You ever seen that? Yes, I have, yeah. <laughs> Was it, is it as bad as the title entails? <laughs> sounds yeah, horrific. <laughs> It's so much better than House of 999 Corpses. It really takes it next level. All right, get this right. We're going to give you the tickets. Save the taxpayers of Brownsburg big bucks when he killed a school (laughs) referendum that later would happen and be paid off by private industry without any taxpayer money. That's Rob Kendall. Yeah, that's Rob Kendall. The tax-cutting machine that is Rob Kendall. Jeremy, have fun at this show. Make somebody drive you up there so you can have a beverage or two, okay? You got it. Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. You got it. See you, man. More tickets to give away tomorrow uh, around the same time. I didn't know Ministry and Filter were also playing at that show along with Alice Cooper and Robs. That's killer. That's a great show, man. The ultimate industrial metal bands. Filter, of course, has Hey Man, Nice Shot, one of the all-time monster hard rock jams. Wow. It's the Freaks on Parade Tour. That's what they're calling it. And we got tickets all week. Uh, Nige, if you need a reason to drink tonight. Trying to stay dry tonight, but okay. Well, I don't know if you're going to be able to because 
it's Mario Andretti's 84th birthday. Oh, I got to throw one up. I got to throw one back for Mr. Mario Andretti. Are you kidding me? Friend of the show, Mario Andretti. He's been on with us. And we were out doing a live broadcast, and we asked Mario, what's it like when you, you know, come back to Indy, and it's May, and everybody wants to give you a high five and, you know, get your autograph and all that kind of stuff? Always very special. It's uh, just when I uh, just drive into the gates, seems like um, you know, just like coming home again. Uh, you know, we wave to the, you know, to the guards, and uh, I probably know everyone not by name but by face. And uh, again, it's just always a great feeling. Be honest. If someone came to you tomorrow and said, "Look, we need somebody to qualify a car," you could still make that happen, couldn't you? Uh, I think I could. <laughs> Love <laughs> to hear that. I think I could. Power move right there. Boss move. Happy 84th to Mario. Coming up next, if you missed the recap of the Michigan primary, we got you covered. We've got an update on Big Fat Fanny. Do not go anywhere. We're having a good time. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Wow, Donald Trump embarrassed Nikki Haley last night in Michigan. Trump and Biden both each won their primary race. (laughs) I mean, it's like, what, 40 percentage points almost between Trump and Haley? 68.2% for Trump, Haley. 26.6%. But she's a woman, and my woman, my my word as a woman counts, and I'm going to stay in this race. Gosh darn it. The more this plays out, the more I start thinking maybe Ari Fleischer was right. Former White House press secretary under Bush, Ari Fleischer, came out this past weekend and said, listen, Nikki Haley knows she's not going to be the Republican nominee, but she's going to get all the exposure she can because she might run as a third party. Or she wants a gig with MSNBC. That too. Could be lots of exposure. Number of different things. Well, and the the ultimate goal is to undermine the Trump campaign. Right. Make sure that the RNC can't send all of their resources to Donald Trump. They have to keep technically acting like this is an open primary when we all know that it's not. What this is right now is the fourth quarter of a basketball game where one team is up by 30 points and there's about two minutes left on the clock. Technically, anything could happen. Technically, but we all know what the result's going to be. That's what's happening here. Trump had approximately 750,000 votes in Michigan last night. Now, Joe Biden had just over 618,000 votes, but I don't know if there was a big turnout for the Democrats for a number of reasons. One, he's basically running unopposed. But number two, there's a lot of people in Michigan that just don't like Joe Biden and chose to sit this one out, Nige. Well, I mean, you take what happened in Dearborn, Michigan, heavily populated Muslim uh, uh, city. And I mean, it's like the representative from Michigan, Tlaib, has has said, no, we want everybody to vote uh, uncommitted, which is basically none of the above. Right. Uh, Vote none of the above because of Joe Biden's uh, pro-Israel stance, which even saying that is kind of a joke, Joe Biden is pro-Israel, because he really isn't. And that wasn't some urban legend. That wasn't some rumor or talking point. The exit polling from Michigan showed that. 
It showed Joe Biden as vulnerable in Michigan, even though they they got the endorsement from the auto workers. Not a lot of auto workers are in love with Joe. They feel like his policies are bad for their industry. But go back to that blue city of Dearborn, which Joe Biden won by a landslide the last election. Here is CNN's John King breaking down what he saw from that same county last night. This is what Joe Biden received. Again, forgive me, 1,141 votes. Dean Phillips, 54 votes. An uncommitted, make sure I get this right, 3,703 votes. So that's a wow. If you look at it this way, this is 23%, and this is 75%. Um, And so this is just the city of Dearborn, but that is where the biggest pocket of the Muslim American, the Arab American population. This is a place President Biden carried big time in 2020. This is key to his chances of defeating Donald Trump in Michigan again. All in all, Nigel, 100,000 votes for uncommitted in Michigan last night on the Democrat side. I just don't think, I I don't know if that helps Trump at all, really, because do you think that these 100,000 uncommitted votes are going to turn around and vote for Donald Trump, who is a a huge pro-Israel candidate? Maybe they feel like he could end this thing. Maybe Donald Trump Mm. is the guy that could end the bloodshed. Because there wasn't much bloodshed during his time in office, but people who were just spoon-fed the news of Orange Man Bad didn't want to pay attention to that. Uh, We've got an update on the Georgia District Attorney corruption case with Fannie Willis. Big fat Fannie. So, former law partner and divorce attorney Terrence Bradley... He was the big star witness that testified under oath regarding what he knew about Georgia prosecutor Fannie Willis big fat Fanny. and special prosecutor and her lover, Nathan Wade. Yeah. When did these two become an item? And these are the two that are going after Trump uh, in Fulton County for election interference. Right. Yeah. So Bradley took the stand after the judge determined that... You know, Bradley couldn't claim attorney-client privilege, so he had to take the oath, get on the stand, and when pressed under oath, he couldn't recall many details and timelines about conversations he had with his former client, Nathan Wade, and his romantic relationship with Fannie Willis. However, Mm -hmm. when confronted with a hard copy of the record of text messages and hand it to him, Bradley looks at it, and you're going to have to listen closely, utters the phrase, dang. Now I want to go, based on what you've just said, let's go to what was Defense Exhibit 26. Okay? In Defense Exhibit 26, which I showed you last time, was two pages of text messages between you and Ms. Merchant, correct? Correct. All right. Now, the first page starts off by saying, Miss Merchant, like just date, don't hire him. Do you think it started before she hired him? You see that? (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. I don't claim to be Perry Mason here, Nige, but (laughs) I don't think hearing somebody say, dang, 
is what you want if you're Fannie Willis at this point. Yeah, so this guy, I mean, how can he not know? I mean, he's a lawyer. He's a divorce lawyer, and he, you know, they wanted to know what he knew about uh, the relationship. Did it start before they went after Donald Trump? Did it start after it started before? It's a huge conflict of interest because she hired him to uh, be this Nathan Wade guy to, to be the lead guy in this. He's unqualified for it. And, you know, they, Trump's people basically subpoenaed AT&T, all the text messages, all the GPS coordinates where Fonnie Willis and her lover Nathan Wade were at at, at certain times. You know, he'd show up to her house at like 1030 at night, wouldn't leave until 630 in the morning, just stuff like that. They have it all. And it's I think it's pretty evident where this is going. Right. You know? And this is it's why just... she's been melting down and being defiant. And this is why their star witness, Terrence Bradley, was so desperate to try to use that attorney client privilege because yeah. he knew damn well they were an item before this started. He just didn't want to have to testify and say it. Dang. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> right. Uh, how are you feeling, Nodge? I know you're still fighting a cough. We, uh, we hear that I, little I, wet yeah, cough on uh, the air from time to time. Yeah, no, yeah, it's been a few weeks. I I, I feel fi- fine. Last week, I uh, at the beginning of last week, I was yeah fighting something back pretty good, but uh, now I feel all right. At least it's not like you know stomach bug or anything like that. Not I would, like the norovirus or take, anything. Oh my God, have you ever had the norovirus? Like, when's the last time you had a good old fashioned norovirus, which is kind of like they call it the stomach flu, but it has nothing to do with the flu. It's not the flu's caused by the influenza virus. Right. The uh, norovirus is getting tiny particles of poop Ooh. or vomit in your mouth from a person that's infected with norovirus. I All just right. heard I mean, an audible groan from Allison right there. Ooh. Uh, and it's very, very, very contagious. Yeah, it's going around. Like, it's a thing right now. Norovirus is hanging around, but there is a silver lining to it. Yeah. Why give yourself shots to lose weight? You mean like Ozempic? when you can do it much more naturally. Oh. Did you know there's a way to lose weight as effective as Ozempic, but totally free? Introducing the stomach flu. Nor, 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 virus. As a first grade teacher, I spend all day cleaning up vomit. Then one day, I started puking. Now look, I lost six pounds. <laughs> when our cruise ship left port, I thought I'd spend the entire time partying. Nope, I was hunched over a toilet. But <laughs> now I fit in my old prom dress. What? When I ordered my burrito, the employee not only gave me a smile, but also a highly contagious virus. Now I'm not only thinner, but I'll never eat Chipotle again. The stomach flu. Get skinny while your wallet stays fat. Yeah, our whole family had it a couple years ago. Uh, we all we all had it at the same time. I think I lost 12 pounds in three days. <laughs> Coming out of both ends, man. Your pants never fit better. Your yeah. shirts were a little more loose. If you're willing to have some loose stools, <laughs> man, it might be a good trade-off. Miserable. Ever and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this... Anything. All right, let's rock and roll. Rock oh, and roll. man, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You will be the one that breaks down all the information and gives us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? The CEO of Kellogg's facing a little backlash 
Because some people are saying, man, this economy's tough. Groceries are expensive. I don't know if I can afford to eat dinner. The CEO of Kellogg's says, well, maybe you should just eat cereal for dinner. Some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. we got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. The price of a bowl of cereal with, with milk and with fruit is less than a dollar. So you can imagine why a consumer under pressure might find that to be a good place to go. No, this is nothing. It's I tell you what it is. It's an awful thing to say to the 60 plus percent of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. It's an awful thing to say to people who notice that food prices haven't been this bad since the early 90s. And the CEO of Kellogg's probably worth tens of millions of dollars saying this sort of thing is kind of, you know, saying, ah, just, you know what, cereal for dinner. It has them. It has like a, a let them eat cake kind of vibe to it. Um, it, it, it's kind of akin to, oh, you can't afford gas? Well, just buy an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, it's like, I see oh, where okay. you're going with it. I do. I'm not upset at all. Are we shocked that the CEO of Kellogg's is pushing cereal? Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Next thing you know, you're going to tell me the CEO of Miller Lite says, hey, I probably want to drink more beer. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what he does. He's the CEO of Kellogg's. What did you expect him to say? Hey, I'll throw the cereal in the trash. Go make eggs. I will say, uh, I will say this. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, having breakfast for dinner used to be a highlight for me when I was a kid, although I don't know that I count cereal as, quote, breakfast for dinner. As You know, it was like bacon and eggs and sausage and pancakes. Right. You know. I like um, a good evening bowl of cereal sometime. Sure, yeah. No, I'm not just trying to like shame anybody that likes to, you know, it happens from time to time, but, but saying that's a viable option for for people that, that are, are having trouble paying their bills or grocery bills or gas bills that are working two jobs, living paycheck to paycheck, that's that kind of has like, again, you know, let me cake. Do you yeah. think people are really upset at the cereal guy for saying you should eat more cereal. Like, I yeah, don't like think you should be said, upset with that. Somebody said on Twitter, uh, uh, in other news, dairy farmers suggest you drink more milk. Right. That's exactly right. He's the cereal guy. Yeah. What'd you expect? I- I'm just saying, <laughs> if you're having trouble paying your grocery bills, just eat cereal. Is It strikes me as a tad tone deaf. I know what you're saying. Right. I, I understand, but that just seems a little short-sighted to me. Now, if the CEO of Kellogg's came out and went full Jay-Z by saying, if you're having food problems, I feel bad for you, son, <laughs> but we got 99 cereals and dinner's on us. That's different. What does cereal is in the hammer cupboard? Also, we got uh, a couple different things. Uh, we've got Honey Nut Cheerios. We've got the Smacks. And ooh, we've got some, uh, some Frosted Flakes. Okay. I have three as well. I have actually four. Uh, Raisin Bran. I love Raisin Bran. That's a home run for me. Do you add anything to the Raisin Bran, whether it be fruit or sugar? No. When I was a kid, my grandma used to put sugar on top of it for me. Loved it. Um, Sometimes I'll put uh, little like strawberries or blueberries on my Raisin Bran. Uh, Also, uh, Rice Krispies. Good choice. uh, And uh, what's the Lucky, uh, Lucky Charms? Lucky Charms. Yep. Those are the those are what we have in our household. I got to rotate the cereals. Like after a while, I get burned out on the same thing. So you start rotating different ones. Like all the ones you mentioned, perfect. Like we've had those in the house sure. recently as well. Is this anything? 
There's a new Apple TV series talking about the New England Patriots dynasty and Tom Brady. He's a part of this. He talks about the heartbreak of losing their perfect season to the Giants in that Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. The David Tyree helmet catch and all that kind of stuff. Here's how Brady looks back at the devastation of losing the perfect season. They run out the clock. The Giants have won the Super Bowl. We were crushed. I was crushed. My teammates were crushed. Coaches were crushed. That was a history-making game. That would have been everything. And I remember getting to the bus in Arizona. There was not a sound. It was, we were, it was pitch dark. There was no sleep. There was no sleep for, for a long time. Um, why did you say Arizona? I thought that Super Bowl was here. No, that Am was I the wrong? second time they played the Giants. Oh, the first one, oh, oh, oh. when they were trying to run the table, was out in Arizona. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, that's something. That's that's probably debilitating for a professional athlete. Nineteen and zero had the chance to finally wipe the bleep-eating grin off the Miami Dolphins. Uh, seven, what is it? The seventy-two Dolphins. They always right. talk about when an NFL team currently is. I mean, you think about when the 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 Colts had their chance to to run the table, and then what happened? Dunchy decided to sit some guys out for like four games, basically. No, Bill Polian decided oh, yeah, to sit yeah, some yeah, dudes yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't throw Tony Dunchy's name under that bus. Uh, right, right. Okay, I think those dudes you. wanted to go. Thank you for the correction. And Bill Polian was like, "My ass." <laughs> but you know what? I was glad to see the seventy-two Dolphins hang on there. I didn't want the Patriots. Well, to sure, beat them. yeah. Back in the day when they were actual rivals of the Colts. Okay. I love the fact what that is- the Giants beat them twice. Eli yeah. Manning got over on him twice. I love it. Uh, real quick, last one here. Imagine football being played on hockey ice. Okay, the game of football being played on ice, like <laughs> hockey players do. <laughs> Men trying to run, not skate on it, (laughs) slipping several feet when you fall, attempting to kick field goals when their base foot would slip and you'd slide all over the place. That sounds incredible. This is what Americans want. Ice football, and they're playing it right now in Germany. I love it. Uh, yeah, I want it to come to America, and I want to bring those announcers. And yes. I want to watch it. I don't care what they're saying. I, they have to announce in German, in their German, uh, in their language. Those guys are like the IMS radio yeah. network of Germany. Yes. They could make me going to the can sound exciting. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. I just reposted it on X at Hammer and Nigel if you want to see a German football uh, or a German ice football being played. It's hilarious. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's a couple of weeks ago we had that story about uh, how the Denver healthcare system was collapsing on itself because of so many uh, illegal immigrants. Um, remember during COVID, it was like COVID that was going to collapse the healthcare system. We all right. had to stay home and we had to uh, stand six feet away from each other. We all had to get the vaccine or else the healthcare system was going to collapse. Well, it never even came close to doing that. But now uh, we had the story about the hospitals there. They're like, look, we've got hundreds of millions of dollars that uh, are being funneled into these uh, illegal immigrants, whether it be, you know, births or, or whatever, you know, surgeries, uh, whatever. Now it looks like the government in Denver, 
they're talking about furloughing American staff to put illegals on its payroll. It's almost like they're daring us to believe in the great replacement theory. <laughs> I dare you. Oh, this will get them. We're going we're gonna to furlough city workers so we can hire the illegals. They're talking about doing this in Denver. That's what the Broncos told Russell Wilson, actually. It's like, yeah, we want to have you back, but uh, we got some of these you know, Chinese nationals coming across, and we're going to part our ways here so with you. There's a budget crisis in Denver, 40,000 illegal immigrants arriving last year. But there, but the city officials are like, look, 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 we're not, we're not talking about firing them. We're just talking about furloughing them, which means they don't get paid. They fixed the glitch. Oh, okay. That's sure. what that is. It's office space, right? Uh, it's just that you're not going to get a paycheck anymore. So I'm fired. No, no you're furloughed. We fixed the glitch. Um, the Colorado senator, he's a Democrat. Ran for president at one point. Had a horrible campaign. Uh, John Hickenlooper. Oh, yeah, I remember that name. Earlier this month, encouraged local governments to disregard federal law, suggesting that cities should, at a minimum, begin issuing their own work permits to illegal immigrants that would allow them to work for various different employers. And you know what's going to happen if you've got this type of movement happening. These companies, it's all about the bottom line. Sure. So they're going to fire American workers and replace them with some of these folks that are willing to accept $5 an hour under the table just because they want to stay here in the United States. It stinks, man. This whole thing stinks. Everything they said would happen with COVID, and you're so right, Nige, everything is happening with illegal immigration, at least in Denver. The healthcare system, the jobs, it's a mess. And understand what Senator Hickenlooper is suggesting when he told local governments to disregard federal law. That's because they know Biden and the federal and the Department of Justice won't enforce local government uh, to to follow the law. They're not going to they're not going to enforce the uh, federal law that says you have to have a work permit. Right. <laughs> you know, they're not going to they're not going to do anything about it. So that's why he said that, you realize, because he knows Joe Biden uh, and his administration won't do crap. Remember, I think it was a town hall that Hickenlooper had when he announced he was running for president. Like, as soon as he announced, he did a town hall, and then his campaign was over because he told some <laughs> weird, bizarre story about taking his mom to go see a porno movie. I came home, and my mother hated to cook. I got home, and she had this huge dinner laid out. And I said, oh, I promised, you know, I promised Jed that we would go to the, the movie theater and see this, this new movie. Uh, you want to come? And I, <laughs> it's an X movie. I don't know. And, you know, I just... And she, I was sure that she wouldn't say no. I made a mistake. And she said, I'd love to go, because she didn't want to be left alone in the house again. It was a pretty famous movie, too. So I took my mother to see Deep Throat. Uh, what the? Where's the dump? Is the dump button working today, Allison? <laughs> it didn't yesterday. I know that for a fact. It sure as heck yeah, didn't work that, yesterday. That, that that campaign was over the moment he said, yeah, I took my mom to see an X-rated movie. Deep throat. <laughs> showing your age, too, Senator Hickenlooper. But imagine being the Democrat that can't chip away at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris yeah. because you're that much of a zero. <laughs> That's Hickenlooper. 
you know, you got one dude up there that doesn't know his left from his right. He's got dementia. He shakes hands with the air. You got Kamala Harris over here that she may be worse than Joe when it comes to policy, and she's got no excuse. She doesn't have dementia. She's just dumb. But then Hickenlooper comes out and goes, all right. I'm here to announce I've taken my mother to go see Deep Throat. <laughs> you can see it's like campaign manager. You could you could just hear them putting their palms on their foreheads <laughs> and shaking their heads vigorously. Oh no. Allison, let's do a round of is it racist? It's time to play. Is it racist? For those who are new to the Hammer and Nigel show, here to explain the rules of engagement is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? So the former Green Bay Area Public School Superintendent, Dr. Claude Tiller Jr., went on a local radio station and gave what some would consider racist comments about Hispanics and white people mm. in the greater Green Bay Area. And, and they, they put Hispanics over the meatpacking industry there and everything, you know, uh, and they, they keep them just enough happy. Throw these parties and everything and just enough dumbed down. To say they did something. And Green Bay is about as lily white as I've ever seen. A lily on top of the lily. Lily on top of the lily. Yeah, well, that's, that's racist. All the Hispanics, they're working in meatpacking plants. I mean, just like uh, Biden the other day said, oh, we need illegal immigration because of uh, yeah, agriculture. Who's going who's gonna to pick the lemons and the oranges? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, and I've heard worse examples of racism. This isn't the worst yeah, thing but, that yeah, I've I mean, heard. That's, you know, you have, he's the, the, the school superintendent, the public school superintendent. I'm assuming he still has his job. Uh, well, here's the thing. He wasn't fired. He resigned oh. after the district agreed to pay him a lump sub of over $250,000. And they also thanked him for his many contributions to the school and community. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the lily white community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's... Um yeah. Uh, again, maybe probably not the most egregious thing, but just think of what he said. If he's willing to go on public radio and say that. Right. <laughs> What's he saying behind closed doors about the Hispanics and Whitey? You know not I mean? only was he not fired, he got a $250,000 parachute, and he was thanked for his many contributions to the school and community. All right, Nige, get your bingo card out, okay? I got a story for you, and I think it's going to... Uh, Give you the opportunity to check a lot of boxes here. Okay. Dateline, Florida. A 33-year-old man in Florida was sentenced to seven years in prison after he was caught removing fentanyl from his anus. Bingo! And then <laughs> he took the removed fentanyl from his anus Gee. and was shoving it into the cushions in the backseat of a police car. So this guy about right. had the drugs in his butt, and he was able to wiggle his hands around back there to get some of them out. And when he was in the backseat of the police cruiser, he was taking some of this fentanyl and shoving it into where you click the seat belt. That's, you know what? That's how norovirus gets spread. I'm telling you. <laughs>
Very irresponsible. I'll give you a dollar if you go onto Wikipedia and change nor- <laughs> the norovirus to that. It was started back in Florida when a man removed fentanyl from his anus and tried to shove it in a police cruiser's cushion. Uh, the cop car, by the way, was so screwed up from the drugs and everything else, it needed to be taken out of commission and it'll be three months until it's back because it's getting professionally cleaned. Yeah, probably a good idea. I, I'm assuming the criminal had the fentanyl in a in a baggie or something. You put that stuff up your butt without uh, protection, that goes straight to your bloodstream. Well, like, I'm not sure I mean? about that because he didn't get it all out. And according to the Sweet. police report, oh. they went to the jail and did a full cavity search Sweet. and, quote... Who drew the short straw for that one? <laughs> From the police report, quote, a chunk of purple powder fell out of his anus. Oh. Chunk of purple powder. Wow. Now that's a tongue twister you can <laughs> teach to the kids. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Man, breaking news. Um, comedian Richard Lewis has died. Uh, oh, no. Uh, 76 from a heart attack. He was planning to retire, I believe, after his diagnosis with Parkinson's disease last April. Um, man, just a really funny comedian. He was awesome in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. His whole shtick was, I go to therapy, I'm depressed. That's kind of like his he, thing. I know him best as uh, Prince John and Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. So, that's, yeah, a bummer, that's a bummer, man. You know who else died today? Wrestling fans, Virgil. Virgil used to be the dude that would hang out with the Million Dollar Man and uh, would be like his, his bodyguard. bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had had some help. Man, he was young. He's like 61 years old and was had, had been suffering from some health complications, I believe, long running. So, wow, that's a bummer. 31 years ago on this date, Nige, 1993. The 51-day standoff in Waco, Texas began after four federal agents and six Branch Davidians were killed during a raid as the agents tried to serve the warrants to David Koresh and his followers. Did you ever see that miniseries? It was not a couple of years ago uh, about the Branch Davidians. Kiernan Culkin of Succession was in this. Um it was a good miniseries. Uh, I think I watched. I'm, I think I'm thinking of the the Waco documentary is the one that I watched. I'm not familiar with the miniseries, but they, but Netflix, I believe, had the uh, Waco American po- American Apocalypse. Yes, um, they've got that. I, I did not see. Where's the miniseries? It's on one of the streaming outlets. I don't know if it's Hulu or Netflix, but uh, Kiernan Culkin is Kieran. in it. Yeah. Kieran Culkin. Yeah. He's really good, man. And um, yeah, 51 day standoff began on this date back in 1993. Today is National Pancake Day, Nige. Pancake Day. I love some pancakes. Now, I've been trying to scale back because I'm doing this weight loss thing and I'm I'm on a diet because when it comes to pancakes, I have a hard time knowing when to say when because I want to lather kidding. up the butter. I want to lather up the syrup. I want them stacked on top of each other. And don't give me none of this mini pancake bowl crap. I want a big pancake the size of my ass on the plate. <laughs> I love some pancakes. So let me ask the brain trust in this room. And Allison, I will start with you. 
If you could only have one for the rest of your days, pancakes or waffles, Ooh. what do you got? Waffles, no question. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's rough. I love a good waffle, too, because the butter, you, you put the butter in the, it's like the, each little mini cup. Yes. The divots. That's it. And the divots and the waffle and then the syrup. But I used to eat the hell out of some Lego My Egos as a kid. So I'm going with waffles, I think. You ever stay in a hotel, or maybe you have one at your house, where they have that continental breakfast thing set up, and there's the big waffle maker? Yeah, we have one. We have one at our house. Yeah, Yeah. we've got one, too. And, man, those things are the best. The homemade waffle, once you go homemade waffle, you never go back back after that, man. It's the best. Do not go anywhere. Top stories of the day coming up. We are going to have a good time. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Oh, hello. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer over there. Republican Senator Mitch McConnell, leader of the GOP. Cocaine Mitch. The Turtle. Mitch McConnell says he's going to step down as Republican leader as of November. In case you don't speak turtle, that was <laughs> Mitch McConnell saying he's going to be stepping down as the Senate GOP leader in November. One of life's most underappreciated talents <laughs> is to know when it's time <laughs> to move on to life's <laughs> next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job. My colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. <laughs> why does he resign now? I mean, seriously. The reason why he's not resigning now, or stepping down now, he's not resigning as senator, is. He probably wants to undermine the Trump campaign as much as possible, and he wants to try to push through these billions of dollars for Ukraine. And you know, he doesn't want any. He probably doesn't want like when the new Congress is finally sworn in. He doesn't want to, you know, have any newly elected senators deciding who's going to replace him as the leader. Right. That's why, that's why he's doing it in November. He is a swamp creature to the highest degree. Well, hell, he's been there. I think he helped put the water in the swamp. He's <laughs> 40 years. He's been there for 40 years. He's 82 years, years old, right? Good Brown God almighty. Longest serving senator and leader in history. Your Mitch impression is pretty solid. <laughs> it's not quite your out of the left field Donald Trump <laughs> off the top rope, you know, fired up Donald Trump Durant impression. prosecuted Jack Smith. <laughs> I think Kurt Darling from the newsroom does a better Mitch McConnell than I do. I could only do it right now because I got like a little allergy with the voice <laughs> like this. So it makes my voice a little bit deeper than normal. But man, this is, I think, a good day for people who want the party to move forward. The McFailures are all gone. McCarthy, gone. Ronna McDaniel, gone. Cocaine Mitch McConnell, gone. Say farewell to the McFailures, people that have been underachieving for a long time now. Yeah, a lot of those swamp creatures. I mean, uh, Kinzinger, Liz Cheney, uh, Romney, they're all, they're all out of there. Let's take a little break from talking about Cocaine Mitch okay. and shift to another 
senile 80 year old man let's check in with wheeling dealing hair sniffing kiss stealing joe biden i got hairy legs take a test where you're taking cocaine come on man you ain't black so joe biden today Somebody gave him a big shot of go-go juice. They put some Botox in his face. They put him up there in front of a prompter, and they said, just act like you're alive for 20 minutes and talk about crime. You don't have to know what you're talking about. Just read it word for word off the prompter. Joe Biden doing a victory lap on crime? As president... Public safety, public safety and crime reduction is a top priority for my administration and for me, and has been for a long time back when I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Now, wait a minute. Hold on for a second here. Isn't Joe Biden kind of the de facto mascot for the defund the police movement that took place? The Democratic Party was, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and now he's sitting around doing a victory lap on the crime. It's so well in the United States right now. Is it really, Joe? Have you been to Philadelphia? Have you been to downtown Indy? Have you been to Chicago? Carjackings in Washington, D.C. Right. But Joe Biden, speaking about crime, says the biggest win was taking on the NRA. I've taken more executive actions to stop the flow of illegal guns than any other administration in history. And we beat the NRA when I signed the most significant gun safety law in nearly 30 years. We're going to finish the job. We're going to ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines next time around because it has to be done. I formed the uh, the first ever White House Gun Violence White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention, and I thank Vice President Harris for overseeing this important effort. Uh, let me close with this: Our plan's working, but we still have much more to do, as everyone at this table knows. What does the NRA have to do with any of this? Because the guns that are on the street are not from card-carrying members of the NRA. They're not going up to dope dealers and saying, here, take this. I can get as many as I want. I'm with the NRA. It doesn't work that way. I'm assuming if he's talking about crime, he mentioned the brutal attack in Georgia on the university campus there where a nursing student was beaten to death by an illegal immigrant. That was, I'm sure that was had to have been mentioned. Oh, no, no, no. But maybe he'll bring it up when he goes to the border tomorrow. Mm. Maybe he was saving a little nugget for tomorrow. I wouldn't hold your breath. All right, we've checked in with Joe Biden, yeah. and now we're going to pivot and check in with crack-smoking, gun-toting, widow-poking Hunter Biden. Oh, my. <laughs> you smoke crack, don't you? Crack. Then the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. So Hunter Biden showed up in D.C. today. He had a closed door um, hearing with the folks at the Oversight Committee. He was sworn in. They talked about all the things that Hunter Biden has had issues with, right? The Burisma board, the illegal weapon, the laptop, the 
Peddling influence. Peddling influence. They're going to be releasing a transcript here soon, but the testimony in Capitol Hill behind closed doors was the first step. James Comer, the head of the Oversight Committee, came out just within the last hour and said, the plan is, moving forward, to have a public hearing with Hunter Biden. I know you're a guy that wanted the public hearing, yeah, right? Yeah, immediately, but that's not the way they do things. But I figured, hey, what they're here, let's do it. So, Hunter Biden, in his opening statement, and some of the things that have leaked out, he says that he did not involve his father in his business. No, I just gave him 10%, but he wasn't involved in the business. But involved is an interesting term, because like the goalposts are moving now. Yeah. For a long time, it was, well, we've never spoken to each other. And how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. And what I will do is the same thing we did in our administration. There will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh, and, and, and the government. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business yes, I stand by that so it went from we've never spoken to well we've never been involved so like the goalposts keep moving sure. here the uh, terminology right so the emails the visitor logs the texts the witness testimony they all say otherwise and again we're waiting to find out what exactly was asked of hunter biden behind closed doors today Representative Nancy Mace, she spoke to the press about a little bit of it. Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. But um, it's no surprise. It's no shock uh, that he is being that way. And in some cases, he doesn't recall. He said that multiple times this morning, which, again, is not a shocker either. But um, defiant and dishonest would be the way that I would describe his testimony so far in the first hour. I would tell you that his testimony is in direct conflict with other witnesses that so far the Oversight Committee has interviewed. If I was Hunter Biden, that would be my, my response to every question. Look, I have no idea. I was high on crack half the time. I, I, I can't recall. <laughs> He's going to use that. He's going to blame his drugs and his addiction and his ability to recall certain things. That's all going to come into question. He's going to become a sympathetic figure after the public hearing. Well, he's the poster child for drug abuse now, and we really need to have a serious conversation about drugs in this country. Poor Hunter can't remember anything. Here's Matt Gates. There were a number of interesting moments, but perhaps none more interesting than when Hunter Biden told us that he uh, joined the Burisma board to counter Russian aggression. I, I hadn't heard that one before. That Thank goodness we had Hunter Biden on the Burisma board uh, because that was uh, central to his strategy to stand up to Vladimir Putin. So it is a mirage to believe that Hunter Biden was engaged in international business. This was uh, a bribe masquerading as an international business transaction. Nothing more nothing less. Just... <laughs> That's so... hilarious. He said I was the reason I was on that corrupt Barisma board is because I was standing up to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> right. I'm fighting Russian aggression. So that's why I joined this corrupt company. 
Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Here, with her perspective, is AOC. Uh, what we just witnessed over the last hour was, I think, a deep-sea fishing expedition because the Republican case has completely fallen apart over the last several weeks um, after it's been exposed that that the critical, you know, one of the, their most uh, key pieces of information was based on a source that was in communication with Russian intelligence. They are now trying to scramble to find anything. Um, to substantiate oh, their fairy tale is what we should call this. That was AOC's oh, perspective. Never do that to me again. All right, so we've heard from Nancy Mace, we've heard from Matt Gates, we've heard from AOC. Yeah. And now, here to share his perspective on what's going on with this Hunter Biden closed door testimony, AI Nigel. This is Nigel. Uh,. <laughs> I drink a lot and often call in to work. <laughs> that being said, um, you know, man, it's time for Hunter to drag his ass out there for a public hearing. No more of this behind closed doors. Shit. <laughs> now, if you will excuse me, I have a wet hacking cough to deliver on the air. <laughs> Then I will ask a question that takes approximately eight minutes because I ramble and I tail off at the very end because I'm awkward and fat and lazy and fat. Um, I'll be off this Friday. That's right. Fat and lazy. <laughs> Nigel, out. AI Nigel. Bravo. Sharing his perspective. Oh, bravo. On Hunter Biden's testimony. <laughs> that was incredible. I'm crying. Allison, did we get everything in there? Did we get the on-air oh, cough wow. and the vomiting? And did we uh, encompass everything, Big Nige? Maybe just one more cough. <laughs> yeah, I'll give that to you right there. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty far from okay. Whoa! Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Okay! So there's a story in the New York Post that says Tom Brady, Super Bowl winner, longtime NFL quarterback, has, quote, accepted his ex-wife supermodel Giselle and her romance with a jiu-jitsu instructor began years ago. Tom Brady being cheated on by Giselle. Are you okay with this? No, not at all, because if Tom Brady's out here getting cheated on, <laughs> there is no hope for any of us. Like, if the most perfect guy, like a championship quarterback, one of the best to ever play the game, a good-looking dude, if his chick is running around on him, what the hell are we going to do? <laughs> there is absolutely, oh, positively no hope if Tom Brady's getting the run around here. So, no, I'm not okay with this. My wife would never do such a thing to look at me. I'm I'm Nigel. That good-looking jujitsu instructor's just a friend. <laughs> so the story, which is in the New York Post today, Brady says he's not friends with the new guy, but he's got no major issues uh, with him because okay. he's trying to make things amicable between him and the kids. Now, Brad, uh, Tom Brady's recently been seen with Bradley Cooper's 
old lady. So Bradley Cooper's ex is now one of the chicks that Tom Brady is romantically involved in. But again, if he's getting cheated on, there is nothing any of us can offer anyone. This is all (laughs) bad news. Uh, Where do you want to go next? You want to do the fire alarm? Let's do the fire alarm. The fire alarm that went off at Assembly Hall last night during the Wisconsin-IU game. It forced an entire evacuation. After about 20 minutes, the crowd came back in. IU ends up winning. Are you okay with this? If you're a Hoosier fan, you have to love this because Wisconsin was going on a run, and then the fire alarm happens. And I don't know about you, but the first thing I thought was, who gave Jamal Bowman tickets? <laughs> Why was Jamal Bowman That's... in Assembly Hall to pull the fire alarm to help save his team? <laughs> That's, That's the... the... That's the guy that did the the congressman that did it before a big vote. Right. Uh, Trying to delay the vote. Yeah, trying to delay the vote. And his excuse was, I thought it was the exit. (laughs) I'm sure Jamal Bowman thought it was the exit at Assembly Hall last night. that's it. And then uh, the Hoosiers, after that, they were rested, they were ready, they played better, and they got a much-needed win against Wisconsin. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. He is the host of the Tony Kennett cast every night at 7 o'clock here at 93 WIBC. Also an investigative reporter at the Daily Signal. Tony Kennett joins us. And Tonus, I want to get your thoughts on this ACLU meltdown about what the court said involving sex change surgery from minors here in Indiana. We'll get to that. But Mitch McConnell comes out and says, you know what? Pack it up. Pack it in. I'm out of here. He is going to be stepping down as the Senate minority leader. Your thoughts? This is the best thing to happen since Ronna McDaniel announced she was stepping down (laughs) as chairwoman of the RNC a couple of days ago. I love it. I love it so much. They are the two biggest dead weights on the Republican Party. McConnell is deeply unpopular in his own party. Even senators that used to be on his side have been turning on him. I would say that uh, it's likely that a senator like Rick Scott from Florida could be the next GOP leader. And if that's the case, GOP policy in this country is about to look extremely different. Okay, so you know me, Tony. I'm a betting man. I've handicapped the field. I did this a little (laughs) bit earlier. I've got a betting board up. It's just like you're going to Vegas. You're looking at the big betting boards. I've got, if he wants it, Ted Cruz as the clubhouse favorite, followed by Mike Lee, followed by Rand Paul, and then I've got Marsha Blackburn, and then I've got Rick Scott. So I'll give you this. I'll give you Cruz or Lee before Scott, but Scott has a better appeal to some of the moderates and even a few of the establishment that I don't think that Lee could pull. Cruz, eh, maybe. Um, I'd say that Scott is not necessarily the underdog here. I don't think Blackburn has it. I think she just says too many silly things at the wrong time, and I like her, but I just don't think that she has the ability to negotiate with the other side of the aisle. I tell you who loses the most out of this. Senator Todd Young, that poor man, threw everything he had behind (laughs) being a really sucky senator behind McConnell. And with McConnell turning 483 and finally stepping down, (laughs) dude, that man, that man's more lonely than a Salvation Army guy in Dearborn, Michigan. (laughs) One more thing on this before we turn our attention elsewhere. I mean, Mitch McConnell was a real, as the Drudge Report headline put it, bulwark for the MAGA agenda. Why is his stepping down 
November an important thing that people should care about? Because the American people are really tired. Uh, You have two camps. You have one camp in the United States that's really tired of this massive entitlement spending. The fact that I am basically watching the U.S. currency doomed to collapse because Social Security is is unstoppable. And then the second camp is also tired of the endless foreign spending. Like, why are we giving money to countries that hate us? And Mitch McConnell was for pushing both the Social Security thing as well as the foreign spending spending into eternity. And Americans are tired of it. And one of the things that Trump is likely to do is be the same president that he was last time, Hmm. which is exactly the kind of policy McConnell despised. Now, I I don't really have a reason for it. There's a million conspiracies as to why McConnell was awful. But I think the realist likelihood is that the man was more out of touch than a Howlin' Oates song. (laughs) (laughs) Chatting with Tony Kennett here on The Daily Signal. So, Todd Rakita, he's kind of doing a victory lap today as the court system has decided that minors, those under the age of 18 in the state of Indiana, cannot have sex-changing surgery, transition therapy, hormones, I should say, uh, pumped into their body from a medical provider, puberty blockers. This is a win for the Attorney General in Indiana. The ACLU is melting down. Where are you? Uh, I think this is a really huge win for doctors and for kids because these are experiments. I will remind everyone something very, very simple. We do not know how the endocrine system, that's what manages hormones in your body, works in its entirety. When a woman gets treatment for menopause through hormonal therapy, it increases her risk of cancer by four times. And that's after her glands are already finished growing. We have no idea the long-term consequences of what removing a kid's organs, putting a kid's organs somewhere else, not to mention changing their hormonal structure, will do at all. And so at the very least, it's unethical and irresponsible. At the worst, the short-term effects we already have is that it doesn't decrease the risk of suicide. It doesn't actually improve the mood of the individual, and it doesn't help with gender dysphoria. Thank God this was removed, and every day the Indiana ACLU is crying is a good day for Hoosiers. (laughs) Uh, Tony Kennett here. He is the host of the Tony Kennett cast weeknights at 7 o'clock on 93 WIBC. And that last part you said was important uh, about gender dysphoria, because it's a real thing. And we're not saying get rid of, you know, uh, therapies and um, counseling for families who going through this. It's a very real, difficult thing that families go to. But I, I uh, there's a list as long as my leg of uh, people that I've seen that have, that have transitioned during their teenage years that go on to regret it. That's the other thing people don't talk about. That's the other kind of uh, flip side of the coin that nobody ever mentions in the media, is that there are lots of people that have transitioned when they were kids and uh, come to regret it as adults. You know, guys, I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I can't think of one person who was diagnosed with anorexia or bulimia who 10 years later said, gee, I'm glad I starved myself. Mm. Right. Seriously, and- I can't think of one. There is no situation in which leaning in, you don't tell the schizophrenic that you can also hear the toaster talking because you do not lean into the skid when it comes to mental illness or depression or anxiety and tell someone it's a good thing that is asking for disaster. 
And listen, if you're somebody that is over the age of 18 and you want to do all the things, if you want to chop stuff off, if you want to pump chemicals into your body, you're an adult, you're 18, this is the United States, knock yourselves out. But if you are considered a minor, if you are considered a child, all the state of Indiana is saying is you have to wait until you are an adult. Absolutely. And again, this is one of the things that a lot of the people on the left are screaming about parents' rights, parents' rights. I don't have the right to neglect my daughter. I don't have the right to physically abuse my daughter. There is never a case in which it is appropriate for me to cause physical or bodily harm to my kids. And just because you think that your motives are right, because you want to, I don't know, encourage your kid to nuke their endocrine system, doesn't make that a moral or a legal right. I'm sorry. I don't have the right to give my kid heroin. I'm sorry. Even if I really believe it's a good thing, that does not make it free from the rules of abuse and neglect. Tony, I want to pivot to something that took place at a press conference in Athens, Georgia. So the mayor of Athens goes to the podium and basically blames Donald Trump for being mean to illegal immigrants. That's the reason why this young, beautiful lady was brutally murdered on the campus of Georgia. It wasn't because of Biden's wide open border or the situation at the border. He went up there with a straight face and blamed Donald Trump for being mean to those people. I got to be really careful because I'm on the air here and this isn't like you're just sitting at the barber shop talking with the other guys in there <laughs> of what I would what I would not mind seeing in, in regards to the comments of this mayor. But I, I will say this beyond being one of the more gross comments I have heard. And in 2024, that's saying something. I, I will make this statement. I have been called a lot of mean things. A lot of people have been very mean to me. It has never once driven me to commit the heinous act of murdering some young, unrelated college student in Georgia. Number two, and I think this is the most crucial, Donald Trump's policy was that if you wanted to immigrate into the United States, you had to stay in Mexico until you were cleared to enter the country. This scum entered the country was caught by Immigration Customs Enforcement and then was just magically released into the country to do whatever we knew. He was a Venezuelan gang member, like a lot of these guys. We knew that his history was disgusting, and yet he was free to roam because of policies that came directly and specifically from the Biden administration, period. Yeah, and to see the mayor getting flack from people at the press conference. Like normally you don't oh, see trolling it. and people booing yeah. and hissing and yelling out at a mayor when he's doing a press conference, especially after a tragedy. Even if you don't like the mayor, it's very rare to see that level of response. This guy was basically booed and heckled off of the podium, Tony. And this isn't the first time that we've seen that in the last couple of weeks. And it does seem that we've reached kind of a breaking point because even in President Biden's press conference, uh, the one at, you know, the very late hour of 8 p.m. at night in which he was supposed to show us all that he was mentally in control. And then the press asked him questions and he, (laughs) you know, just went off weekend at Bernie's style. And what you actually saw was the press, not just, you know, Peter from over at Fox News, but you actually saw multiple members of the press 
asking, like, are you serious? Like, do you really expect us to believe this? And if the press wants to be relevant at all, this is what every press conference needs to be. Seriously, I'm tired of this weird sitting there quietly and scribbling in your notebook. Let's see some heckling. What do you have coming up on your big program tonight? Well, we're going to break down some of the greatest successes of Mitch McConnell, and uh, that's going to be about two and a half minutes of the show. So for the rest of the show, he did fight for a Supreme Court justice. If he did anything, I will say this. Old cocaine Mitch, when it came to trying to push through a Supreme Court justice, he was pretty good. And that's all I've got to say about that. (laughs) As I've said before, the most often used audio clip on my show is in 2013 when he told Democrats they were going to regret tearing everything down. So we're going to go over that and a few other great things lined up tonight. Cool. 7 o'clock, the Tony Kinnett cast right here at 93 WIBC. Tony, have a great show tonight, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Hammer, uh, it looks like the Bud Light ad blitz for the Super Bowl didn't really work. They're still down 30% over last year. The the Dylan Mulvaney trans can uh, resulting in sort of this boycott also hit Budweiser in a big way too. Do you remember the uh, ad executive who was in charge of that? Oh yeah, her name is Heineshade! Alyssa Heineshade! She was the one that wanted Bud Light to get away from the quote frat culture. Yeah. But the problem is, there's an awful lot of money in frat culture. <laughs> frat guys used to drink the bejesus out of Bud Light, and now their sales are down 30%, and that's with them partnering with Peyton Manning, yeah. the UFC, yep. like Emmett the NFL, Smith, yeah, I mean, the NFL, some she, of the most masculine brands out there. By the way, she no longer works for Bud Light, if you could believe that. Who? I just Now, her real name is Alyssa Heinerscheid. Allison, at no point in this program have we ever heard you pronounce this young lady's last name the way that we do. This is your time to shine. How would you say her last name? Heinerstein! (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Woo! Well done! Well done! Uh, Clay Travis put out a tweet, Nige, that says the only way to save Butt Light's brand is if they issue a direct apology. Do you buy that, or is it too late? It's probably too little too late. Like, if you come out now and say, I'm sorry, it's kind of half-assed, right? you got to come out immediately. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.